We have been in uh, the book of 1 John, will be for a while. They'll be a little different, but just for those of you who are new, hang on, that's the way it usually goes around here. Uh, it'll be a little different, but uh, uh, we're, we're talking about 1 John. And in the book of 1 John, we have a number of uh, principles and topics that are talked about. We're walking through it verse by verse. The main focus of the book of 1 John is this. You can know that you're a Christian. You don't have to hope. You don't have to go to the end of your life and go, boy, I hope I make it unto heaven. No, 1 John is about the fact you can know. Um, these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. And that eternal life is through his son. And so John throws out a whole bunch of topics throughout the whole book about this is how you know, and this is what the Christian life looks like, and this is how you can, you can uh, walk close to God. And so he spends that book. We've talked about obedience. We've talked about trust. We've talked about loving God, loving other people. We've talked about all those things. John is going to finish up a section this morning on, on the truth, and we're going to finish that up. And then next week he's going to talk about righteousness and how that works into this thing called Christianity. So this morning John's going to kind of wrap up this section that we've talked about, about the idea that we can know truth. Our culture would tell you that it's wrong to judge, that you should not judge. But yet the Bible says just the opposite. The Bible says, no, 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 no. you're to be discerning. You're to make judgments. Um, you know, and a lot of people throw out the verse, well, judge not that you, lest you be judged. But they don't go to the next verse, which says, for with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. What that verse means is, no, 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 you need to, you judge... But be careful of the standard you set up. And for us as Christians, here's what we say. We believe that the Word of God tells us what's right or wrong. So the Word of God becomes my standard. So you know what? Here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say I'm going to judge whether or not something's right or wrong according to the Word of God. And I want God to judge me according to the Word of God. With what judgment I judge, I want to be judged. That's, that's, that's what that verse is saying. So I don't want it to be somebody's opinion... I want it to be, what does the Bible say? And so John lays that out for us. And in 1 John, one of the things that he says is, there are people among you who are false teachers. There are people who are going to lead you astray. And you better know who they are and what they're teaching and what you believe. And so John lays out very importantly for us that, look, don't be led astray. You know the truth. Sort out truth from error and embrace truth. And that's, that's what he has talked about. So we're going to pick it up this morning, and we're going to kind of hammer it in a little bit, and, and really before we go on to the next topic next week. So um, we'll read it, I'll go back, we'll talk about it, and then we'll, we'll apply it. So here's what it says, First John chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 26. And he says, I'm writing these things, these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. He said, look, there are antichrists, there are people who are anti-God, there are people trying to push you astray. He said, I want, I'm writing to you about those people. As for you, again, he's talking about Christians, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And we'll talk about all this in a second. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears... We may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. So 
John lays this out, and he says, now look. He said, there are people who are going to try to lead you astray. He said, I'm writing to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. He said, here's what I want you to know. The anointing you have received remains in you. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The idea that, that when Jesus comes into our life, he becomes our Lord and our Savior, and he lives within us. Now, he's talking here about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There are different faith traditions that teach different things. Some people believe that when you're saved, you get like part of the Holy Spirit, and then you've got to do something else in order to get more of the Holy Spirit. And you, you know, I just don't think God works like that personally. I don't think that's what the Bible teaches. I think when you get saved, you get it all. Now, what, whether or not you access it all is another whole other issue, but I think you have, I, I think you have everything that you need as a believer. Um, let's go back and, and, and talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit so we have an understanding, because there's a lot of confusion about that. Um, here's what happens. Jesus is on the earth. Well, let's talk about Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit selectively came on people. Um, it, the Holy Spirit was not, first of all, the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, all right? So we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Got it? Okay. We believe that the Holy Spirit is a person, okay? Not a personality, not an entity, but a person. So what does that mean? What that means is, if the Holy Spirit is a person, anything I can do to a person, I can do to the Holy Spirit. So I can listen to you as a person. I can respond to you as a person. I can ignore you as a person. I can push you away as a person. I can pretend that as a person you don't exist. But he's a person. So what happens is we believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people. Example, Samson, remember? It says, and Samson, when he, he didn't know the Holy Spirit had left him, and yet, at the end of his life, he says, God, give me one more shot, and the Holy Spirit comes upon him, and he pushes the pillars down, and everything crashes down. You see the Holy Spirit. You see a lot with the judges. You see it a lot in, in different things with David and battles and stuff like that. Then Jesus Christ comes on the scene, and again, Jesus is a real person. And so, Jesus is on the scene, and, and he grabs these 12 guys, and they walk with him, and they talk with him, and, and, and learn from him, and everything else. And he comes to the end of his time, and he goes, guys, I'm getting ready to leave. And they're like, whoa, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? He said, don't worry about it. I'm going to send another one. I'm going to send a comforter, a paraclete, one who comes alongside of you. I'm going to send somebody else in my place. And then we know in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes on the scene. And so the Holy Spirit comes on, and from that point on in Acts chapter 2, when a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live within their heart. Okay. So that's what we believe. So right now, I put my faith and trust in Christ. What that means is God lives in me. That doesn't mean I'm godly. doesn't mean I listen to him all the time, but he lives within my heart. He guides and directs my life. He tells me right from wrong. This is what he's saying. He's saying, look, as for you, the anointing you receive from him, it's in you. The Holy Spirit's living in your life as a believer. He's there. He's telling you, yes, no, right, wrong. That's his job. And he says, and he remains in you. And you don't need anyone to teach you. Now, John is not saying here that, you know, people get this, people take this verse and they go, I don't need, I don't need to listen to any preacher. I don't need to listen to anybody. Oh, come on, be smart. Okay? Because Jesus, when he leaves the earth, commands us to go and teach all nations. 
John is writing here, teaching them, and what he's saying is simply this. You don't need somebody else to tell you what's right and wrong. You've got the Holy Spirit living inside your heart. That's why a lot of people come to you and go, hey, pastor, is this right or wrong? And you know what my answer is? I don't know. Now, I know, but I'm not, I'm not the Holy Spirit for them. I want them to struggle. I want them to go back and figure out, is this right or wrong for me? I want the Holy Spirit to speak to their life, to, for them to wrestle with the Holy Spirit. I'm not the Holy Spirit. Okay, let me back this up. I am not the Holy Spirit in somebody's life. Those of you who are married, you are not your spouse's Holy Spirit. Okay? There are no vacancies in the Trinity. Okay? They have a Holy Spirit. You allow God to speak to their heart. All right? Too many spouses go, you know, or, you know, they get done that, you know, well, you need to be, wait a minute, you're not the Holy Spirit to them. Let God speak to their heart. And he says here, look, you have an anointing and it remains in you. And that anointing, you don't need anyone to teach you. God will show you right from wrong. And you see, think about it for a minute. How does God work? How does the Holy Spirit work in our life? Give me some ideas. How does the Holy Spirit speak to you? Huh? What's yeah, we struggle, so there's an internal <sighs> toss it and turning sometimes. Uh, circumstances. <laughs> yeah, circumstances or coincidences or events, things that come into your life. God uses those to speak to you. There's a, there's a pricking of your conscience. There's a poking. Have you ever done something and go, ooh, maybe I didn't need to say that? That's the Holy Spirit. Okay, and here, by the way, let me say this. What you believe about God and the Trinity, I think, really impacts a lot how you live. One of the things that I believe about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is the quietest of the Trinity. I think God shouts in creation. I think Jesus grieves when he walks among us. But I think the Holy Spirit is that still small voice. I don't see the Holy Spirit in my life jumping up and down going, yay, pay attention, pay attention. I think the Holy Spirit's that person in the back that's going, probably wasn't the best idea. And if you haven't figured it out yet, the easiest people to ignore in a meeting are the quietest. And so I, I think we have to be very, very careful. And, and, so, and the Bible talks about this. It says you can sear the, the Holy Spirit. You can quench the Holy Spirit. You can push the Holy Spirit away. You can wall the Holy Spirit off. You can do those things. And it's really important. That's why I tell people, listen, if God speaks to your heart, that's the time to respond. Because here's a lesson I've learned in the Bible. God never obligates himself to a second chance. In the Bible, when you read, and God came again, like in the life of Jonah, let me tell you something. That's the grace of God. God never says, I'm going to guarantee you that I'm going to give you a second chance here. Because you never know when your life's going to end, and neither do I. So when I have that fight with my wife, I don't know that that might not be the last time I see her. When the Holy Spirit goes, eh, you need to go make that right before you get in the car and drive off. You need to make that right before you get in the car and drive to work. That's when you need to do it. That's when you need to respond. That's what he's talking about when he talks about abiding, working in there. And he says, look, and then notice what he goes on to say. He said, look, his anointing teaches you 
about all things. And that anointing is real and not counterfeit. Just as he has taught you, remain in him. And now, children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident. All right. I'm going to take this whole section right here, and I'm going to try to illustrate it for you. All right? We're trying to figure this whole thing out. How does God develop confidence in our life? How does God teach us? All right? So, um, okay. Um, oh, who's helping me here? All right, all right, come on up. My mind went blank. Um, Hofer. Which Hofer is this? Yeah, Payton. Payton, come up here. All right. I don't know if I can do this or not. Here you go, buddy. All right. Peyton, I talked to Peyton a little bit about this. He doesn't know all that we're going to do up here, but he's got, he's got a general idea. Huh? All right, here's the idea. Um, what some of you don't know is that um, for years, I, off for a uh, I have worked with stained glass since 1982. I worked for an art gallery um, my junior and senior year in, in college. Um, we restored windows. I love working with glass. When my kid got into 4-H and wanted to learn art stuff, I said, I, I don't know art stuff, but I can teach you glass work. So Josh has built windows since he was in sixth grade or fifth grade or whatever it was. And it's, it's something Josh and I do together, something we love doing. Um, in, in fact, we spent Christmas Day playing with glass. Uh, we spent like two, three, four hours playing with glass on Christmas Day. Something we like doing, okay? Um, so here's what... Here, most time, whenever you're dealing with glass, you have to cut glass, all right? And that's the part that most people... So I told, I told Peyton this morning, I'm going to give him a lesson on cutting glass, all right? And you're going to get to watch this, and then I'm going to illustrate this. Um, typical glass, Pete, this is a special cutter, okay? You should know, okay, first of all, here's the idea. In this barrel, it's filled with oil. This little cutter right here, notice how it goes back and forth like that? When you push down on it, there's a wick, and it pulls oil down, and it lays down a bead in front of the thing. Because you want, you want this little wheel right here to roll, okay? That's the key. It's got to roll, all right? When you're doing glass, you never want to stop. So you, you, the idea is I'm going to push it down. I'm going to push it all the way through. Some people pull. I push. There's pullers or pushers. I'm a pusher. You push all the way through the glass until you get to the end. Okay, that's how you cut a piece of glass. So I'm going to show you real quick. If I push down on it right here and start, go to there. Okay, so we've cut the piece of glass. Got that? See how simple that was? Okay, all right. Now, that's how you cut a piece of glass. So, any questions? Got it? All right, good, because here's the thing. Now, follow the line. Take the cutter, put it in your hand like this, hold it kind of like a pencil. Are you left-handed? Oh, All right. Push down. Okay. Yep, you're exactly right. Screw is up. Okay. Push down. Get right on the edge there. Push down. Yep. Okay, now go forward. Okay. Did you hear mine grind when I did it? Yours didn't. Okay. So what I'm going to say is you probably didn't push down hard enough, but we'll see. Nope. Nope. So... Don't go over the same line because it won't split there. Let's go to do it here. You want to need a line? Here's a line. Push hard, okay? All right? Push hard, okay? Alex knows this. We gave her a lesson a couple weeks ago. All right. Push down hard. 
There we go. Heard that. Now watch. If I snap it, see that? Okay. Not bad. Okay. Now, here we go. Now it's going to get fun. Okay. Because now, watch this. Now, follow this line. Okay. So they can see it. There's my line. Okay. Now follow that line. Huh? Getting a little harder. Yep. Remember to push hard. Okay. Okay. Now, remember before I kind of snapped it, normally you would snap it this way. I'm going to use pliers this time because if I try to do it before, like I did it before on my knee, or if I try to do it like this, it'll go straight. So I'm going to do this and put a little bit of twist to it. Hear it crack? Okay. And then I'm going to go like this. Got that? Not bad at all, right? Awesome. Now, we're going to get into one of the most difficult cuts there is to make in a piece of glass. That's what we're going to try to do. One of the most difficult cuts there is to make. Before we start, how would you cut that? What would you do? Okay. You have no idea, do you? Okay? When you work with glass for a long time, here's what you learn. Glass follows certain principles and rules. If you were to take and do what we have done up until now and do this, you know what will happen? When I go to snap it right here, it will snap there and it will run all the way down. Or it will snap here and run this way. Okay? It is, a, it is almost impossible to do this unless you have what we call a ring saw or a band saw. And you put it on there and you work it all the way around. So what I have to do is I make a series of about five cuts. I'm going to cut there. Then I'm going to take a little more each time, here and here, and I can get it. So if I was going to do this cut, I'd go like this, bring it across there, snap it. Now I've got it there, right? Now I work my way into it. Like that, I go like this, and then, uh-huh, okay, this might not break right, but that's okay, I'm going quick. Now, if I work really hard and carefully with it, now I can put it on my grinder and go whoop, and smooth it all out, okay? You know how I know that? Huh? <laughs> actually, actually, I learned this long before YouTube existed. Back then, internet was internet was didn't exist. Well, it did only in in military circles, and we ran computers with something called DOS. All right. Um, you know how I learned that? You know how many circles I could have cut in my lifetime? Lots. Okay. Here's the thing. Let me give you one more test here. I want you to cut this. Okay. Now they can't see it, but this is called ripple glass, and you can't see it, but there's a whole series of ridges on this. And if I were to ask you to cut this and draw a line across here like this, what would you do? 
Okay, you have no clue. You know what? I happen to know that if when I cut this, what's going to happen because of the ripples, it's going gonna, it's gonna to break off edgy, and my line's going to be, although my line will be straight, there'll be all kinds of ripples. It's one of the most difficult kinds of glass to cut. So what I would do is cut my line longer and grind this down so that it's smooth because I can't. To cut a, a, a circle like, or a line like we did, to cut a circle on this is, is, I would take it to a ring saw. I wouldn't even try it with this because I know that it's not going it, to, know, I know I'll go through 20 pieces of glass to get one piece, okay? Because why? Because I've cut lots of ripple glass in my lifetime, okay? All right, thanks. Now you can have a seat. I want my glass back, though. All right. Okay, now hang with me for a second. Ooh. Hang with me for a second. Can't do that. Hang with me for a second. How come I know this stuff? Education, exposure, experience. I've been cutting glass for almost 30 years. Um, I do it as a hobby now. Five out of the last seven days I've cut glass. I only spent 5, 10, 15 minutes doing it, but you know what? I've cut glass all week this week. The week before, cut glass. Week before that, cut glass. For about the last three months, my hobby, my way to relax at the end of the day is to go down and play with glass. So we try all kinds of things. Um, I cut a bunch of this, by the way, a couple of weeks ago and uh, this way and played with it a little bit, trying to do some stuff. Here's the thing. Education. I learn about glass. I, I'll actually read and study about glass and and coefficient and expansion and contraction and all that kind of stuff. Study it. Go into an old church. If they have old stained glass windows, you know where you'll find me? Standing in front of them. Because I'll, I'll look at how the lead was laid out. I'll look, at, I'll look at how the window was designed. I'll look at all that kind of stuff. Um, education, exposure. I actually watch YouTube videos on glass stuff. That's why he said that because that's what I do. That's one of the ways I learn. An experience for 30 years. You handed me a piece of glass. I, I, I cut, I'd probably cut it with my eyes closed, but I wouldn't follow the line, but I'd probably I'd cut it with my Why? It, it's something that's just second nature. It's easy. It's something I'm very comfortable with. That's what John's saying. He's saying, listen, when you take God and the Holy Spirit and His Word and you expose yourself to it every single day, and you work it into your life, the Christian life then starts to, you start to develop within your Christian walk some confidence. If I were to hand you this piece of glass and say, and by the way, what people don't realize is, <clears throat> we're not at this level yet, but some of the glass that we can purchase is upwards of $75 a square foot. Now, if I hand you a piece of glass that's $75 a square foot and say, here, I need, a, I need this cut a certain way. And by the way, if you make a mistake, it's going to be out of your pocket. There's not a lot of people in here that would be comfortable enough to do it. But you know what? I'm pretty confident I could do it. Because I know enough about glass to know whether or not I need to use a ring saw or whether I need to, or whether I need to use my cutter. I've worked with it to know that if it's a heavy ripple glass, I probably know what it's going to do, so I'm going to put it on a ring saw if it's an intricate cut. Experience, 
confidence. Some of you, if I handed you, if I just did to you what I did to Peyton and handed you this and handed you this glass, you'd freak out. You go, well, I can't do that. I can't do that. Why? Because you don't have the education, the experience, the background, the exposure to it. It's something completely new to you. And you would, you would just be all frustrated as could be. Why? You don't have the exposure. You don't have the education. You don't have the, but listen, that's what happens in a Christian life. That's exactly what's happening to some of you. If you don't spend time with God during the week, and you don't spend time developing your Christian life, and you don't spend time learning to trust God in the little things, then all of a sudden you go to a doctor and he gives you some difficult diagnosis and it's, it, it, it's, it's all of this really serious, heavy kind of stuff, you fall all apart. Because you don't have the confidence that God's going to take care of you because you're not working with God every day. But this is what John's saying. When you do that, Look, when his anointing teaches you about all things and that anointing is real and not counterfeit, when every day you're exposing yourself to it and you're playing a little more and you're learning, oh, okay, you know, um, if you go to my house right now, here's what will happen. You'll see a shelf of all the stuff that I've done that succeeded. And it, it never fails. Everybody walks up and goes, oh, this is beautiful, this is beautiful. What you really need to look at is the black box underneath the shelf. Because it's filled with all of the things that didn't work. It's filled with all the things that were like, oh, that was a really bad idea. That was a really bad idea. Um, I actually tried something a couple of weeks ago. I burned a hole through two layers of glass. You know how hard it is to burn a hole? You have to get it to over 1,500 degrees to do that. But I put something in between them that I thought would work, and it didn't. It just, it was a lot of fun. It was cool. But anyway, it's in my box. It's in my box. Why? Because you know what? That's exactly what happened. During the week. Little things come up, and we learn to trust God, and we fail. Can you imagine if Peyton would have sat up here, and I would have said, okay, now this is what I want you to do. You heard me how I taught him, right? Okay, can you imagine when he made that first cut, if I would have said, you idiot, don't you know what you're doing? You didn't press hard enough the first time. How could you be so stupid? That's the dumbest thing you could have ever done. I could never break that. Why do we think God works like that? That when God gives us something and we fail and we, and, and we don't do it right, that God all of a sudden is screaming at us about how dumb we were and we should have done it and how come we haven't done it right for the 15th. God doesn't work like that. The Holy Spirit comes alongside and says, okay, we didn't do so well that time. Let's try this again. Let's see if we can get it right this time. How about trying this differently? Okay, good. Now let's try this. And that's how you continue to grow. And you build up your confidence until you get to a point that you're pretty comfortable So when all of a sudden something big comes along, you can handle it. You know why? Because you have a whole set of experiences all along the way that have shown you that God has taken care of you, God has trusted you, you have been able to trust God, that he's been faithful, that he's helped you through it, that it'll be okay. I can't tell you the number of times my wife and I will come up against something and we'll go, I don't know what's going to happen, and here's what we come down to. You know what? In 30 years of marriage, God's never let us down. Why would he stop now? I, I... yeah, I could pull out verses and all that. Can. We don't. We just look at each other and go, you know what? Look, our experience has been God has always gotten us through it, so he'll get us through this. And see, there's some of you right now, that's what's happening. You don't have that experience. You're not doing that every day. So when something comes along, it's a major blow to you. Some financial hiccup comes along and you're just all falling apart. Some difficult thing comes into your life, and you're all, why? Because you don't have the confidence. You don't have the experience. And this is what John's saying. 
as a believer, the Holy Spirit lives in you, and He wants to teach you and guide you and direct you and strengthen you and comfort you and give you that experience. So when those big things come, and they will come, you'll do okay. You'll have that confidence. And notice what He says. That confidence, when He appears, we will be confident and unashamed. We don't have to be ashamed that, you know, oh, man, I wish you would have done this different. Look, either he's coming or you're going to meet him. But at some point, we're all going to stand before him. And so as a believer, here's the thing. You want to be able to stand before him and go, you know what? Look, God, I'm not a, I wasn't able to spend my life and learn how to cut this. But you know what? I got this down okay. And God... It took some time for me to get here, but I got here. And God helped me. I want to get to the point that I can cut this. But right now, and for some of you, right now, where's that first piece? Right now, this is as good as it's going to get. That's okay. That's okay. God's at work. As long as you're responding. Can you imagine if Peyton would have looked up here and, and sat in the chair and gone, I don't want to learn that. That's stupid. I'll never use that. You don't know what you're doing. I don't, that, that, listen, li, no, no, no. I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it this way. Can you imagine Peyton sitting up here looking at me going, no, 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 no. I want to use this end. All right, buddy, go for it. Because you know what I would have done with him? I would have looked at him and said, go ahead. I'll see if you can do it. I would have let him fail. Why would I let him fail? Because that's how he's going to learn. And I would have said, Peyton, you know what? Here's what you should know. People have been doing this for centuries, buddy. Do you know the only difference between this tool and the tool they used 300 years ago? This is a fancier one because it has oil in it. It's the same principle. Only back then they would take it and they would dip it in a thing of oil and then roll it. I just took that step out. And I spent a little more for a cutter that will do it automatically for me. That's the only difference. But you know what? If he thinks he can come up with a better cutter, if he thinks he can come up with a better way to do it this way, more power to him. I'll let him give it a shot. But you know what? I'm confident enough to know he ain't going to do it with this end of it. He's going to make a mess of it. And you know what I would have done? I'd have let him. And then when he made a mess of it, you know what I'd say? I'd say, all right, buddy, let's try it again. This is a piece of glass. This is a cutter. This is the end we use. And this is how we use it. And you want to know what God does for you? This is a piece of glass. This is a cutter. You need to get back to spending daily time with me because that's how you're going to learn these skills to be able to handle the stuff coming down the way. Does that make sense? And see, we make this so complicated. And all John's saying is this, look... If you were to hand me, by the way, they have glass now, plexiglass that looks like glass, but it's plexiglass. Do you know that you could put that in my hand and I could tell you within less than a second that this isn't glass? You know why? I've worked with this stuff for 30 years. I know what glass feels like. I know, I know, what gla- I know how glass weighs. I know what glass does. And you put a piece of plexiglass in my hand? Something that's fake glass? I'm going to spot it in a heartbeat. 
You know why? Because I've worked with this stuff all of my life. It's the same way. That's what John's saying. When you walk with God, when you abide with God, when you listen to the Holy Spirit, when you're sensitive to His leading, when you know what's true, when something fake comes along, you will spot it a mile away. Why? Because you're so comfortable working with the real thing, counterfeit stuff stands out like a sore thumb. And that's what John's saying. He says, look, you'll be able to know. And that anointing is real, it's not counterfeit. Somebody comes along and tells you something goofy that's not in the Bible, there's going to be something inside you that goes, yeah, I don't think so. Why? Because you're comfortable with the real thing. You've got experience with the real thing. You've got knowledge of the real thing. You've got the Holy Spirit inside of you helping you and guiding you. And that's what John says. And now, dear children, continue in that. You keep doing that. And for some of you, that's what you've got to get back to doing. You get back to, this is a piece of glass, this is a cutter, and this is how we do it. Let me make it even simpler. This is a Bible. This is true. Read it. Apply it. Do it. Don't argue it. Don't debate it. You, 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 want, you can sit up there and go, you know, well, I don't know if the Bible's really true or not. Okay, you know what? Here's what I have people. I don't know if the Bible's really true or not. I, I go to them and say, okay, have you read it all the way through? No. Okay, well, then you can't know. Have you studied it historically? Because go study it historically. Track record has been most people who go back and study whether or not the Bible is true historically end up becoming Christians. Uh, Josh McDowell, by the way, some of you are familiar with Josh McDowell's work. You know how it started? He tried, to, he tried to find out whether or not the Bible was true. And he found out, boy, this is a whole lot more true than I ever thought. Yeah, why? Because you've got to study it for yourself. You've got to know it for yourself. For some of you, it's going to be back, get back to the basics. For some of you, here's where you are right now. God's trying to teach you some of the basic stuff. Here's a straight cut. For some of you, God's at the point where God's going, okay, listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to learn how to cut a curve. And I know this is going to be really hard for you right now, and it's going to be really difficult, but that's okay. I've got it. I'm going to use it in your life. Just trust me here. And some of you are learning this. And some of you, you're up, you're up to a point right now where God's going, okay, we're going to try one of the tougher things right now. And, 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 you know, I know this is hard. I know this is hard. But you need to understand, if I design you a window, I don't design windows, by the way, anymore. But if I were to design you a window with pieces like this versus people pieces like this, which one's more appealing? Which one's more attractive? But you know what? This is a whole lot harder and a whole lot more work. And it's no different in your life. The beautiful things that God wants to make are going to be a lot more difficult and a lot more work and require a lot more trust. But this is what God wants to produce. He wants to produce stuff like this. Not, stuff like this is okay, but he's after stuff like this for you. He's after the best of the best. And in some cases, you don't know it, but when you get into ripple glass, one of the reasons you won't see a lot of ripple glass and a lot of newer windows is because it's so difficult. Because typically, if you were to estimate a window with ripple glass, you figure a waste of two-thirds versus a waste of less than 10% probably. Because ripple glass is buried. And, and, and so if people have a ring saw, then th they're going to be okay. But it, it, like I say, boom, it's a big difference. And my challenge to you, my challenge is this idea of this. Look, abide in him, remain in him, listen to him, walk with him. And then as those big things come, you will have the confidence and the ability not to be able to walk through it on your own, 
but to be able to walk through it with him because you have seen him and proven him and tried him over and over again and you know that he's going to be there no matter what. And John says, listen, I'm writing to you so you can have that kind of confidence as a Christian. And as your pastor, that's what I desire for you. That when those big things come, you don't have to fall apart because you don't know what's going to happen. But you're able to look back and go, you know what, pastor, it's tough. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm not sure how it's going to play out. But you know what? We've watched God do this and this and this and this and this. So we're just going to trust him and see what he does here. It's so much different in the way you handle stuff. Not because there's confidence in you, but because there's confidence in your experience of walking with God over and over again daily. That's what John wants for us. And that's what I as a pastor want for you as a congregation. So I close it with this. May each of you experience the voice and the leading of God this week. May you stick close. May you abide. May you remain in Him and everything. And should He come this week? Or should He call you home? May you be able to stand confident in your life because it has mattered and it has been about things that are important. And uh, it's been a life that's been about God. So let Him use you this week. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, as we go into this week, it's going to be easy, Lord, for people to try to lead us astray, for people to try to get us to focus on stuff that's, that's really against you. Lord, help us. Lord, for some this week, Lord, they've just gotten away from you and they haven't been spending time with you. They haven't really learned to walk with you and, and learn from you. Lord, I'm thrilled they're here this morning learning, but Lord, it's such a small step in what you really, really want for them. So Lord, may you help them to develop a confidence in their walk. May you help them to understand that, Lord, you're not doing things to them, Lord, you're doing things for them. And Lord, as things come into our life, may we understand that, Lord, they're part of a bigger picture of you trying to give us not just life, but life abundantly. And so help us, Lord, as we follow you this week to honor you with all we say and do. And Lord, use us. And as people look at our lives, may they see Christ in us. These things we ask.